<laughs> I said, are you ready to give thanks tonight? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory, glory, glory. Praise God forever. Praise God forever. Amen. Amen. You know, on Sunday we were sharing about the uh, period of in-betweens. Uh, we were talking about how you get a beginning, a vision, a dream, a prophetic word, and you get excited, you get motivated, you just say, whoa, how wonderful. And then a season comes when things do not seem to be going as you expected. And all kinds of things are thrown at us. And if we don't get a heavenly, godly perspective, this is the place or the time or the season when people just shut down and get discouraged and just get off the train. But in looking through all biblical characters, all of them, is it Abraham? Who was minding his own business and God came to him and gave him a word. Abraham, I'll make of you a great nation. I will make your name great. I will bless you. I will bless them that bless you. I will curse him who curses you. Now, Abraham may ask for any of this. In Genesis chapter 12. Did not even know God. God, out of his own sovereignty, out of his own goodness, out of his own kindness, out of his own mercy, came and found this man out and gave him these incredible promises and says, in you, Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And for the next couple of decades, 25 years, really, Abraham seemed to be dancing in the in-between. And it looked like the promises of God which had been made unto him without any solicitation. Looked like those promises will hang on forever will never be fulfilled. What is it tonight? Where is the in-between that you are tonight? What did you do to get God to commit to you? God is a loving God. His love, we are told, is from everlasting to everlasting. Do you know what that means? Because there are some things we throw out and we say, I'm not sure we really understand what it means. When the Bible says God's love is from everlasting to everlasting, that means before you were born, he loved you. Now, our mind can't comprehend that. Because for me and you, everything begins from when we are able to have recognition of of, of good and bad and, and, and be alive. But God knew you before you were born. That's what he said to Jeremiah. He said, not only did I knew you before you were born, I already ordained you to be a prophet to the nations before you ever got in your mother's womb as a seed. So the point here is when God says he loves you and I from everlasting to everlasting, you did not have to have a birth date before he loved you. And he will not stop loving you after you depart from this planet. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. You know, I, I read a translation the other day in 1 John 4, I believe verses 9 and 10. I think it's in the CEV. Do you guys have it? The CEV. That's the contemporary English version. 
You don't have it. Are you sure? The CEV. Where's Revelation? Do they have it? Yes. Now, all these translations I'm throwing out, if you don't have it, go and get them, please. Please, CEV, Contemporary English Version. Ah, let me see. Actually, I, should, I have it in my iPad. <laughs> CEV, 1 John 4. First John chapter four. And the iPad is not working. The internet is down. Okay, let me let me switch over to. Okay, if you have it, please read verses nine and ten loud for me. Loud and clear. <laughs> yes. 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 Hold it. Hold it. Let's do it like the Baptist. Hold it. <laughs> Did you hear that last sentence? Say that again, please. Did you hear that? Because when you and I mention the word love, you are thinking God is talking about how you love him. That is the mindset that many of us have when we refer to love. But the Bible just broke it down for us that real love is what? Now, please read it again. Ah, so if real love is not our love for God, then what is real love? Tell me, sir. Ah, did you hear that? Real love isn't our love for God. But his love for us. How big is that? Do you know why that's so big? The reason that it's so big is, number one, God does not change. So he's not going to love me today and don't love me tomorrow. Lord, God's love is consistent because the Bible says, I am the Lord, I change not. Love for God is not just some, uh, some attribute that he picks up. No. The, the, the essence of who God is is love. The Bible says God is love. So if God at any time does not love, it, it, it stops to be God. Wow. Did you hear what I just said? Yes. If at any time it stops being love to you, at that moment it's no longer God. Think about that. That's huge. Real love is not my love for God, but God's love for me. Don't stop reading. There's, there's some more to that verse. Verse 10. Please. Aha. Amen. So, so it demonstrates how much he loves us by now sending his son to die as a sacrifice for our sins. Now, with that being said and with that being understood, why will God now leave me and you in the in-between to perish? It's not possible. It's not possible. The only reason we stay there longer than we ought to 
It's because you and I do not understand our responsibility and what, we, what should be happening to us while we are in the in-between. That's the only reason. But you go character after character after character all through scriptures. All of them went through that same period of in-between. Where from when a promise was made and until the manifestation came, they were in tough, enduring situations and circumstances. But they all came through it. Even Jesus, Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, the Bible says, For unto us a child is born. And unto us a son is given. From the time the child was born and until the son was given, 33 years. Was he attacked? Yes. Was he ridiculed? Yes. Was he persecuted? Yes. Was he tried? Yes. Absolutely. He went through all kinds of things. But he never once during that period doubt the integrity of God's love towards him. He never at one time was, was mindful of the time that the hardship or the persecution will overcome him, overtake him. Absolutely not. Not one time. And we know from what we know now in scriptures that God has highly exalted him <laughs> and given him a name that is at, above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow and every tongue must confess, including those who persecuted him. The day will come where they will see him and say, ah, we were sorry. We didn't know what we were doing. Amen? And I'm saying to us tonight, that's the same thing God is doing and will do for us. I mean, the examples are so, there are so many. And, and our disposition in this period of time is, is that of thanksgiving. So thank God. No, you are not, it's not because you are thanking God because you are in a bad situation or you are in a hardship or you are being persecuted per se. No, you are not thanking God for those things coming at you. But you are thanking God knowing that God is beyond and above what's happening to you. You are saying, God, I'm looking beyond where I am because I see you and I understand you and I know that these things will not take me under. Rather, they are meant for my promotion. Amen. And that's exactly what's happening. They are meant for your promotion. Paul says, be careful for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Don't fret about anything. But in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let every request be made unto God. And that the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Paul ought to know the guy was put in prison, beaten, stoned, many times. In fact, given up for being dead. And in spite of all of that, he writes to us in Philippians, Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. He said, everything that happened to me happened for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Let's read that scripture. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. We are beginning to see this happen over and over in the ministry. And I'm going to share with you something in a minute. Philippians 1 verse 12. 
Philippians 1.12. When you and I take the correct disposition to these hard times, this is the result. Philippians 1 verse 12. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Are you kidding me? This man was put in jail in Philippi. In, in, in Philippi. And rather than murmur, complain, and grumble, you read it for yourself. The Bible says him and Silas were having a breakdown, rock down, serious praise and worship in the dungeon. Hello? How many of us will be put in prison and be praising God? But that's exactly what Paul and Silas did. So much so, when they began to praise God, the Bible says the place shook to its foundation. God joined their praise and worship in heaven and sent a manifestation to the earth until the earthquake broke the chains. See, some of the things we read in the Bible we will never experience if we don't put ourselves in that position. And when the chains were loosed, the Philippian jailer recognized, wait a minute, I lose a prisoner, it's my life. Because that's the way it was back in those days. If you have a jailbreak, the jailer in charge gives his life for the, for, the, for, the, for the guy that broke the jail, you see. So he was afraid for his own life. But when he saw what had happened, he was the one that asked the question, Sars, what must we do to be saved? Because he was seeing something that was beyond the natural. Now, would this, has, would this have happened if Paul and Silas were crying, complaining, murmuring? No. No. And, and, and I know you say to me, but Pastor, uh, when I'm in a tough situation, I'm being persecuted, I'm being falsely accused, I just don't feel like prison. Yeah? No. No, but I don't feel like it either. That's why Psalms 100 comes in. Psalms 100 is not telling you to feel like it. It says you should will to do so. Let's read that. Psalms 100. In fact, there are too, there are too many of them. Psalms 34. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Let's go to Psalms 34 first. It says, I will. You see? Willing to do something is a big difference from feeling like doing something. So if you are waiting to feel like it, you will never do it. The enemy will make sure you don't do it. You will never feel it. No. But you have to make that will. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. So you see there, the key word there is will. You've got to will to do it. You cannot wait to feel it. Amen? Amen. Psalms 100, verse 1. It says, make a joyful shout to the Lord all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. 
look at how it says make. Make a job. It's not asking to feel like doing it. That word make, it's not, it's not, it's not a word that says uh, you have a choice. It's make, make yourself do it. Make yourself do it. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with thanksgiving. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who has made us and not we are for ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. How else are you going to enter? It's with thanksgiving. That's the key. That's the key to gain your entrance. And into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. You know, um, we bought this TV monitor, oh, maybe, how long ago now, brother? Revelation. April, is that, is, has it been that long? Wow, okay, last week in April. And of the three TV monitors, that's the most expensive one. The one in the back. So we noticed about the maybe a month ago that the background color was a little greenish in tint. You can see now, you see how tint, how greenish it looks. So we said, wow, something's wrong with the TV monitor. Fortunately, when we bought it, we, got a, we had a warranty on it. So we called them up and said, you know, come get your stuff. It's not working well. <laughs> and I'm going through the, I'm, I'm, not going, I'm not taking you through the whole long story. So they came and looked at it and said, well, we don't think it's a TV. But nevertheless, since you guys want us to replace it, we'll do so anyway. So come time for them to give us a new one. Uh, I think Revelation went to the store. They started talking about the exchange, bang, 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 on the computer. So, oh, nice on sale. You got $1,060 off on the new one. Just like that. Just like that. you like that. I see, I see we do we laughing. <laughs> Just like that. A thousand and sixty dollars that we didn't think we had uh, came back to us. Before you say hallelujah. The point I want to make is what prompted that blessing? A problem. What we thought was a problem in God was a setup for a blessing. What we thought was a problem because we now found out we got a brand new one and it's doing the same thing. Why? Because we need a $29 transmitter. I'll take that exchange any day. I spent $29 to get $1,060. Any day. <laughs> but don't miss the point I'm making. This happened to us as a corporate entity where we had a problem we thought that triggered a series of action that brought back $1,060 back into our account. So do you think God would do that for us as a church and will not do it for you? Does the church have three heads? Is it not human beings that constitute a church? And I'm sharing this with you because I want you to, to learn to put your problems and your issues in correct divine perspective. 
that while the enemy is messing with you, God is looking for the opportunity to turn the tables around. So that what the enemy is intending for evil, God is already using it to turn things around in your favor. In the name of Jesus, you need to start seeing what God sees. We need to start talking the way God talks. We need to start acting the way God acts. Hallelujah! Is it David that I can show you tonight? Who, as a young boy, 17 years old, was minding his own business, tending sheep in the backside of the desert. No recognition, no identity. Even his father did not call him by name. Samuel came to the house to anoint a king in 1 Samuel chapter 16. And so the first one, oh, Eliab, this one looks like he's the anointed one. God said, no. Look at the next one. Say, oh, no. And he went through all seven boys and finally asked the father, is there any more? Do you have any more children? Say, oh, I have a lot. I have one, the youngest one. From the inference, when you look at how Jesse answered, he has totally, completely discounted David. Hey! That which you are discounting in your life, that which you are looking at with despise and think is too small, I am telling you, God wants to use it as the source of your promotion and blessing. In the name of Jesus, people may have written you off, counted you out, and said you will never be anything, that you will never make it. Yes, let them keep on saying it because God has not said so. Man may say so, but God has a different commentary on your life. And God's commentary on your life is you are good, you are great, you are perfect, you are complete, you are holy, and uh, you are favored. Even the father discounted him. And the man of God poured oil on his head. Anointed him for service. To become king. The next chapter, chapter 17, the guy was being sent by his father to take cheese and bread for his brother who are on the battlefield. Beautiful story. You should take some time to read it sometimes with contemplation. By that I mean slowly and thinking through every line. Ah, God help me to say this right. You see, if you get immersed with God, I'm talking about total immersion, where you let God be your imagination, you will see things differently from everybody else. Watch what happened. Saul, we know, was already a bad man. Yes, he was anointed by God. But he served his own interest, not God's interest. And so when Saul saw Goliath, what did he see? A problem. A problem. Why? Because he had a mind imagination. He's been totally immersed in mind, not God. So when he saw Goliath, he saw what man sees, a problem. This is the problem with that. When you see as man seeth, and you see with a mind imagination, when good comes, you will not see it. I don't, I don't know if you heard what I just said. Because he already was programmed to see the way men see only. And so Goliath 
as an issue and a problem rather than as an opportunity. So when David, who was the answer, came along, he could not see David as an answer. He saw him as a small lad. You follow what I'm saying? Back to David, who in a time that he was tending sheep out there in the wilderness, constantly singing, praying, talking to God. Look at this young boy. Even though God's voice is not audible, in other words, he may not hear God the way you're hearing me now, yet the sound of God's voice in his spirit was louder than the roaring of a lion. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. This boy was so immersed in God. Even though he did not hear God, go, come, David, and all that. No, no. But, and he was hearing the roaring of lions all day long. Yet when God spoke to him, that voice was so clear to him, it drowned the sound of the roaring lions. So he gets to the battlefront. All of Israel and Saul were shaking in their boots out of fear. Because of Goliath. But because David had been, so, had been so immersed in God through his time of praying and praising and, uh, and talking with God, what they saw was not what David saw. They were looking at the same man, the same Goliath, but they saw Goliath through a totally different prism, through a different uh, window. Why? Because he's seen Goliath the way God sees Goliath. Huge. Consequently, you know the story. Saul gave him his armor. He tried them on. Mr. King, thank you very much for your equipment. But I'm sorry, they are not tried. I won't dare do it. And the Bible said he went to the brook and picked up five stones. Think about that. What would David have to have done to pick up five stones from the brook? In my own imagination. David was probably on his knees. The posture that he's been familiar with all through his life. Talking about submission to God. Talking about his communion with God. Kneeling. Talking about how he relates and interfaces with God. In that posture, he destroyed the enemy in Israel. One stone did it. Now, we're going to pray in a minute. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just trying to set you up. He killed Goliath. And in the next chapter, chapter 18, people start singing his praise. We're actually chapter 17. He starts singing his praise. His, his, his value went up in Israel all of a sudden. Wow. David is David, this young boy. Look at what happened. Chapter 18, he entered into covenant with Jonathan, verses 1 and 3. And from that day going forward, between chapters 18 and 20, Saul tried to kill him six times. Six times. Six times. Three times he threw javelins at him to pin him to the wall. God delivered him out of that. Then he set him up and said, listen, I'll give him my daughter, Mirab. But there's all, the, the only dowry I want Go and get me. No, he sent him to battle to go find the Philistines. And the idea here was, listen, this guy, I hate him so much, if I send him to the battlefront, they'll kill him. 
So he did not expect to see David come back. He went to battle, came back. What? You, you made it? Oh my God. What are we going to do? He still went ahead and gave the girl to another man. They honor his word. Next he says, okay, we, 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 he found out they told him that his daughter liked David. Michael. I said, wow, now, now, now I know what to do. David, okay, I didn't give him Mira, but I'll give him Michael. But this is the dowry. Very obscene. Go and get 104 skins of the Philistines. Can you believe that? One, not only killing them, get the four skins and bring them. 100. Unbelievable. But David, because it was God's favor, went out to the battle, met his quota and doubled it. But 200. <laughs> 200 four skins. Bah, you stupid, crazy king. Yeah, I don't know if you're going to roast them to eat or whatever. So Saul said, now what will I do? So he gave her uh, Michael. He gave him Michael. And finally, to cut a long story short, sent an assassination squad to go to the house and just kill him anyway. Boy escaped. Now, where was God all this time? God promised this boy the kingship. He didn't ask for it. He was minding his own business, tending sheep. When God came and anointed him, he was anointed for trouble. But this is the point. That God who anointed him was the one who saw to it that the enemy did not finish him. So who anoints you? That's, that's a God, the same God who anointed him made sure that no matter what Saul did, David did not expire. Why? Because David did not fall into the hand of Saul by playing what Saul played. The challenge for you and I is we must never allow ourselves to be drawn into the flesh or into the spirit of what the enemy is doing. We must always respond in the opposite spirit. Always. That's why the book of Psalms is so complete, full of David's Psalms and thanksgiving and praises to God. Because all through that time, when Saul was looking to kill him, when he's going from cave to cave, from wilderness to wilderness, when he appeared as if he will have no future, that he will live forever as a fugitive, when it appeared that everything was against this boy, all he had was his God and continually communing with God and talking to God, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Yeah, you don't want? Are you serious? You don't want? Were you not hungry when you went to the house to ask for bread from the priest? No, no, no. That happened in the natural, but I'm telling you, I'm going to confess. I'm, I'm going to make my confession. Mm-hmm. On and on and on. So we call these three days aside for me and you not to focus on what's happening to us in the natural, but to focus on what we know that God has secured in the heavenlies. Because after a while, what's happening in the heavens will manifest in the natural. It has to. Let's read one scripture and then we and then we can start to pray. Second Corinthians, chapter four. So you look at that David story. At the end of the day, he became king. But it did not happen because he manipulated anyone. 
It did not happen because he made any compromises. He allowed the God that began the work to be the God that finished it. And that's what I'm saying to us today. Our disposition in the in-between is that of praise and thanksgiving to God. Our disposition. Is the praise team still here? Where are they? Please get back up there. Yeah, our disposition in this in-between is to thank God. Keep on thanking God. No matter what you are saying, forget what you are saying. Forget what, don't allow what you are saying to, to take you over. Instead, let the spirit of God take you over. This thing is so real to me now. I, I really see it, taste it, feel it, I know it, and I'm saying to you, it works. It works. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Verse 17. For a light affliction, which is but for a moment. Did you see Paul? Paul calls this a moment. Are you, are you, I mean, this is, if we did not know what he went through, you say, is he crazy? But it's not. He understands that whatever's happened to him is but a tiny moment in comparison with the glory that's to be revealed. For a light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Verse 18. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but are the things which are not seen. There you go. There you go. So how are you going to see the things which are not seen? Now, isn't that a contradiction? He said you should look at the things which are not seen. He's already told you they cannot be seen. Yes, yeah, he says look to them. He says look at them. In the same fashion as he told us, looking unto Jesus. Can you see Jesus today? No. In the physical. But in the spirit, can you see him? Yes. This is where, this is where faith comes into operation. It's already admitted to you. You cannot see these things. Yet he says, look to it. Look for it. Look at them. Okay? While we do not look at the things which are seen. Which means, okay, let, let, let me explain that. So you do not look at the things which are seen. People are accusing you wrongly. They're persecuting you. You go to work, they lie against you. They set you up. So, so you don't get your promotion. All of those things. The Bible says don't look at those things. Don't use those things to come to a judgment as to how you respond. No. No. Don't use those things as a criteria for your response. You do that, you are, you are in their territory. You are like a chicken on the earth. But when you look at the things which are not seen, you are soaring like an eagle. And you and I have to make a conscious, intentional decision that I see what Joe is doing. I see what Sally is doing. I see what Jane is doing or not doing for that matter. But I will not use those things that I know that I'm seeing to, to, as a criteria for how I will respond to them. No. Because once you use that 
as a response to them, you are in their level. You are in their level. But if you see them the way God sees them, remember what we said about God's love? Yes. It's everlasting to everlasting. Yes. As bad as Joe or Sally or Jamie, but does God love them? Yes. And you must recognize how your father functions. Only the goodness of God leads men and women to repentance. Yeah. So while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I'm telling you, this is three verses we should meditate on for the next few days. The things that we do see are temporal. Jane will be transferred. Sally will change. Joe will something, I mean, they are back today, but they may not be back tomorrow. They may be transferred away from your department. They are temporary. They will not be there forever. No, they will not be there forever. But the things which are not seen, they are eternal. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. It will continue to be. That will never change. And we rest to our feet. We want to thank God. Give us something to thank God in. To, to, to get us started in thanking God. Let's get into the spirit of thanksgiving. Before you guys, let's, let's just lift up our hands, please. Lift up your hands. Just right there where you are, before, before, the, before any music, before any instrument, just talk to God for a minute. Give him thanks. You think your situation is bad. Thank God that it's not worse. Thank God that all the things that have been, that have been thrown at you, to cause you to lose your mind, to destroy you. In spite of all of those things, you are still here. You must ask the question, why? Why are you still here? Why have those things not put you under? Because God has a purpose for your life. God is taking you somewhere. And no matter what the enemy does, the enemy cannot intercept the plan of God for your life. The plan of your, for God for your life are yes and amen. God who has begun a good work he will finish it tonight let's make a decision that we will not continue to look at those things that are temporary oh my car is not running well my house is not big enough my children are not doing good in school my relationship is not good stop looking at the things that are temporary let's look at the things that are in heaven the things that are eternal let's thank God that you have a child to begin with Let's thank God that you have a husband, you have a wife. Let's thank God that you have children. Let's thank God for all the wonderful things that God has done. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. I refuse to complain. I refuse to murmur. I refuse to grumble. I will bless the Lord at all times. I will cause my lips to only give his praise. I will worship him. I will praise him. I will exalt him. I will magnify the Lord. Let's give him thanks. Let's bless him.
He's a good God. His love is unfailing. It's unconditional. It's inexhaustible. There is nothing you can do to cause him to stop loving you. He began it, he will finish it. He's the author and the finisher. Oh God, we bless you tonight. We give you thanks tonight, Lord Jesus. We give you thanks, Lord Jesus. We give you thanks, Father God. We give you thanks, Father God. We will not be ungrateful people. We will not be ungrateful people. In the name of Jesus, we will be men and women of praise, men and women of thanksgiving. We will bless our God. We will exalt your name. We will magnify you. We will thank you for your goodness, for your mercy, for your tender loving kindness. We will thank you for how you've been so good to us. Oh, you've been good to us. You've been good to us. You've been good to us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thanks. 